Microsoft announced significant layoffs to Xbox and beyond. Ooh, it's Friday where it's it's Podcast Friday where we do a video of, you know, kind of wrapping up the big news of the week, which Xbox dominated the headlines. Usually I'm a much more chipper mood, but it's been a somber week, friends. And so we're just going to dive into here uh, the big news of the week, like hands down, is that Microsoft is laying off uh, 1,900 Blizzard and Xbox employees. There, there's, there is no easy way to say it. that is 1,900 people, human beings people with emotions and bank accounts and lives to live who are finding themselves without a job. Now, we don't know what the severance is. We don't know what Microsoft is doing, um, but like it's that's rough. That is that is rough. And I, it's hard to have some empathy for Microsoft doing this. But um, if you remember a few weeks back on this very podcast channel thing, uh, I said there's some hard times coming ahead for Xbox. And this is exactly what I was referring to. I, I caught wind that layoffs were, were coming down, you know, and I didn't, I never know how many bit, how big or whatever, but um, you can just feel these things out. And when you have a 70, nearly $70 billion transaction, like, like there, there's, there's redundancy. And that is the best way to describe it. And so these people, through effectively no fault of their own, now find themselves without a job and they're going to be looking. And unless you've been living under a rock, it is a really tough time in the game industry. Nearly every game company is slashing. Riot announced a whole bunch of layoffs, like 500 or something like that. And it is only January. It is only January and we're seeing just layoffs across the board in the gaming industry. And it's it's tough. Like that's you feel for these people. Um, and so through all this, like a lot of things that we've learned, like first off, uh, the, the survival game, Blizzard had a survival game and it's been canceled. So, you know, you never, you're never going to get to play that. Um, you can read all of Phil's letter here and I'm not going to read it here for you. You guys have eyes and ears of your own. You can find it over on windows central who, who grabbed this and did a great job writing all this, uh, you know, everything that unfolded today. But so like who was impacted through all of this? So a lot of different teams. And I mean, a lot of different teams. Like when you have two organizations, this multi-billion dollar organization, excuse me, a multi-billion dollar and a $3 trillion company, uh, merging or, or combining, there's going to be tons of this. So everything from like finance to accounting to legal, there's going to be a lot of redundancy. And according, apparently, according to Microsoft, that's about 1900 different positions were redundant out of the 22,000 that were originally at Activision, which is roughly 8%. And that is, that's a, that's a sizable number of things. Now, Jez Corden, a uh, good friend, good friend of the channel, whatever else, he's hearing uh, that the internal customer support teams for ABK just gone, just straight up gone. And so that's like, Microsoft will probably outsource this. That's probably a known thing, but there's got to be transitions and like the whole ABK is being unraveled as we, we talk right now. And what was used to be a separate company is now just being sort of ingested into the greater Microsoft org. Now, not every single person from every single team is going to be laid off. But if you're not familiar, I use accounting because I'm extremely familiar with it. But accounting always rolls up to the mothership, right? Accounting, the, the finances roll up to Microsoft corporate. So people at Microsoft corporate will handle it. There will still be accountants at ABK because they have to do the day and day tasks. But you don't need things like management. You don't need managers realistically because they're all at Microsoft. I'm sure there's going to be some ABK or Activision uh, accounting manager, but it's not. You don't need a CFO. You don't need a V. You just need a director level who is in charge of that um, org. And so, yeah, one of the more interesting sort of cuts layoffs, if you want, is uh, Mike Ybarra. 
so he put up a long post uh, on there saying, like, look, I'm leaving. Um, I, you know, like, I empathize with everybody laying, laid off. And it made it sound like he was just sort of exiting. And, like, that was it. Which, uh, to some respect, Mike Ibarra, uh, he's very high up on the org chart at Activision, or Blizzard, I should say. And so, like, you don't really need that position. However, uh, Jason here wrote up, and Jason is a very well-respected games journalist. He said, Microsoft Matt Booty said in a note that Yabaras chose to leave his position as president of Blizzard. But in November at BlizzCon, Yabara told me that he wanted to stay for the long haul. Someone will drag me out of Blizzard, Yabara told me. That's how long I will be here. Now, those are naturally conflicting statements. Yubara saying, like, look, I'm leaving, and him earlier this year, which I totally believe what Jason has written, saying that he is staying. Here's what I suspect is probably happening. At the time in November, he's like, yeah, I want to stay. And granted, Yabara, I think, was at Microsoft for 20 years or something like that. He was there for a long time, so he knows how the system works. This is not some new thing for him. I suspect they're like, yeah, you can stay, but your role would be this. And it would probably be some low, it would be obviously a step down. And he's probably was like, well, I don't want to take that position, which is totally fine. That's well within his right. I don't blame him for not wanting to take a, a lower level role or not being able to do what he wants to be able to do. I would assume that through this transaction, being the president over there, that he probably was very well compensated, had stock and probably cashed out a bit. So he's like, screw it. I'm just out. And that is what I guess would happen back in November. He's like, yeah, if I can keep doing what I'm doing today, I love this job. I'm going to keep doing that. The merger happens. Microsoft says, sure, you can stay, but this is your role uh, post-merger. And he's probably like, mm, well, that's just not going to fit. They announced the layoffs. He's like, I'm out. Stage left or whatever they call that. And um, there you go. Now, the worst thing about all of this is this little bit of information here. Microsoft valuation this week after, you know, prior to announcing this, but this is a stock ticker symbol from today has a market capitalization of $3 trillion. Microsoft is an extremely healthy company. They have lots of AI. They have lots of things going. This maneuver to cut 1,900 employees was not financially driven because like we're going under, the ship is sinking. It was purely because, hey, this is redundant stuff. This is what happens with mergers and acquisitions. And anybody who tells you that a merger and acquisition does not have redundancy and result in layoffs is completely wrong. Um, it always happens fast and quick. Sure, maybe some of like the core experience won't get laid off, but like there's always redundant roles and it always happens. And no matter what anybody says, that is the truth at the end of the day. And so Microsoft hit a market cap of $3 trillion. Now, people should be rolling their eyes and say, Brad, just because they have a market capitalization doesn't mean that they have $3 trillion in the bank. Absolutely correct, my friends. That is absolutely how that works. Market cap is outstanding shares times share price. It just means that that's how much, if somebody wanted to buy Microsoft and own every single share of Microsoft, it would cost them $3 trillion, and nobody on planet Earth can do that. Um, nation states couldn't even do that. So, or I'm sure there's some, but whatever. We're not going to get into that economics. That is a whole different can of worms either way so microsoft is in a very healthy financial position and they're like look like you know at the end of the day it's just business like microsoft's like we're a business here to make money people um we're kind of turning on phil like this is some shocking thing like phil how could you do this to your fellow gamers because at the end of the day my friends the bottom line is Microsoft is an entity here to make money. They are not here to be your friend. It doesn't matter how great somebody is on stage or, you know, what they do for you. At the end of the day, they have a job to make the most amount of money possible, the most efficient way possible as well. And when you have a merger of this size, 
it's inevitable. It's not, well, it was Phil's decision. I mean, Phil was part of that, right? He feels like we should go buy them. And by, by saying we should go buy them, he was acknowledging like, hey, we're going to be laying people off if this closes. Granted, it took a long time. And I, their, their mantra wasn't like, let's go lay people off. It's more like we want to fill out our catalog. But yeah. So that's that. It's like, it's been a really weird week and, and and really focusing on the xbox side for this podcast um there's a little bit of micro other microsoft news coming up but 1900 people i believe is probably the largest layoff xbox specific i should say in microsoft's history i can't think of any off the top of my head that were larger than that and you know here we are microsoft really tightening up the belt uh the other interesting thing too is like hey how is this going to impact other titles going forward because microsoft just like like again 1900 people they all had roles they all had day-to-day jobs they all had things to do are just now gone so there's going to be some teething and migration pains but granted there's still uh you know two twenty thousand people left so it's not like there's nobody over there but they're going to impact things in various ways which we will learn about here in the next few weeks to see what kind of starts to just crack a little bit activision is obviously not going to crumble because of this so yikes anyways it wasn't all doom and gloom this week for microsoft by the way or xbox i should say xbox actually got some good news via the eu now keep in mind the eu represents not every country in the eu uh, but the companies companies the countries that are inside the eu uh, economic region or whatever they call it economic zone um, will soon be able to play Fortnite again because Apple, because not because of their own goodwill or whatever else, and and we know that because they're not doing it anywhere else, will soon let legitimate app stores be side-loaded. Now, Epic intends to bring Fortnite back, and um, Tim Sweeney was already on the Twitters, or X, whatever it's called, uh, complaining about this, which is fine, because there's some really weird fees, and Apple's being Apple, and they're doing it the most uh, un unfriendly way possible like right right it's kind of like saying when your mom says go clean your room and all you really do is you go in there and you put one thing away and you say i cleaned it mom but even though there's a whole you know cascade of of dumpster fire on the ground the reason why this is good news for xbox is hey xbox can now launch its app store in europe the the terms aren't super great but now it's at least viable and allowed and apple can't block it so that is the good news side of things for xbox so you know um, this was very strategically planned these layoffs by microsoft right they had a good week with their developer direct and i suspect that they're gonna kind of like sandwich things in some with some other good you know good pr right they can't do this quietly this is a very large layoff and so i would expect other things to happen now next week microsoft will report earnings so we'll kind of get a better sense of how xbox is doing over as a whole however microsoft's reporting structure still kind of kind of covers that up right they say the game pass subscriptions although i hope somebody brings up the point not me somebody who had to be a shareholder or a regulatory body's like you guys spent 70 billion dollars on this entity and you're not going to be completely transparent about how that reports up through the shareholders and everything else yeah so maybe we'll get some more details on that i am traveling a bit next week so um video will go up uh, a couple days after that and I have some time to digest it and kind of talk to some people uh to see how you know things really went inside the org but we did hear in december by the way that things were going well at least from a hardware perspective so uh non-xbox related here before we dive into the questions of the week super interesting things starting to dribble out now the wheels of justice move slower than anything else but that's just how it is so the ftc is launching an investigation into microsoft slash open ai and other cloud ai partnerships now 
this isn't purely Microsoft focused, but Microsoft is the focus. Um, there's there's Anthropic as another one in there, but here's sort of the deal, my friends. Here's sort of the deal, right? Microsoft couldn't would I don't think at any point would really have been able to buy OpenAI. Maybe right away when the company was formed, before they were really an entity. But soon as OpenAI OpenAI became like uh, this household name that it is, Microsoft's like, here's ten million dollars, give us all your enterprise stuff, blah 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 blah. The question is, is like, is that an acquisition without an acquisition? And that's kind of like the law does not look favorably upon you trying to skirt around the law and Microsoft, of course, is going to say, no, it is not an acquisition. However, if you've locked up a specific aspect of the business through an exclusive partnership like this, you know, is it just an acquisition by another name? Now, here's where it gets interesting. And so you could potentially say Microsoft is one of the smartest companies on the planet, right? They saw op what OpenAI is doing and they're doing some magical stuff and they had GPT-4 and rumored that GPT-5 is, is going to another step up and things are going the right direction. And so Microsoft sees them doing that and they're like, look, we are so far behind on this. And Sachi goes, I will lock up that exclusive agreement so that we can, I don't care how much it costs, this is our future. And while this is all going on, we need to be building our own stuff in the background. So think of it this way. Let's pretend that the FTC does come out and say, Microsoft, you have broken the law. This is not allowed. We are breaking up this partnership. Whatever the financial terms are, don't ignore that possibility. We all know that if the... If the regulators are just starting to look at it now, this is years away. So basically Microsoft looks at it and says, that's the future, we're not there yet, I'll lock this up and we'll deal with the ramifications later so that in the background and quietly, we can build our own models and data sets so that when we do get found that this is potentially, I, I should say, I guarantee they probably didn't write somewhere, it's like, we will be found that this is not a loud partnership. Uh, but when that partnership, let's pretend it does dissolve in four years from now or whatever, however many years it is, Microsoft has been able to build up a replacement before that technology was taken away from them or that agreement, which on some hands is actually a brilliant business move. It's like, okay, this is going to be an expensive lesson, but look, we're not going to be out of the conversation. Not to mention their stock price, again, as I noted earlier, is at $3 trillion, primarily driven by the, the AI and how it's rolling out and, and the prospects of it. And so if that falls apart, Microsoft needs a backup plan. And right now they have a couple of years to build it and they're working with the best company on the planet who's doing it right now. And so it could be looked at as a potential brilliant business move. So... Yeah. Woo. That is, <laughs> that's a lot. That's a lot. So let's dive into the questions of the week. If you've made it this far and you've never been here before, every Friday I do a podcast or sometimes it's late Thursday evening and it's, it's a wrap up of Microsoft news. It's a wrap up of Xbox news, which is obviously part of Microsoft as I say that. And I, I tweet out or zeta out or whatever post on x.com a link where you can drop questions and we've got a handful of questions in the hopper this week actually some people messaged me right on the on the twitters which is perfectly fine it says richter 48 says with xbox cuts are you expecting any further delays i suspect no i would not expect any delays other than the canceled survival game uh to impact the shipping schedule right microsoft clearly understands the, the mantra here that hey like we have to ship games to make money that's how this model works and so when they're looking at all these cuts like they don't they can't have that calendar be uh stretched out because they don't have enough resources to ship a game that would be the worst case scenario so no i don't expect it to ship it uh to delay shipment any further however right there's still the natural forces that could delay a game like sometimes games just aren't ready like microsoft doesn't want another redfall on its hands they want more starfields and so um, at the end of the day, they're going to make sure that they have the resources aligned to ship the games on time as on schedule as, you know, as they can be. So, uh, tweet lurs, 
Tweedler, I can't pronounce that correctly, says, with Xbox getting rid of physical... Oh, I forgot about that. With Xbox getting rid of physical games. Okay, so this also is starting to come out. I even think I had an image lined up. Did I not? Yeah, I forgot. Totally forgot. If you made it this far, you get an additional dose of Xbox news. Um, so as with all this layoff stuff, Xbox physical games look like they are going away. This was... Uh, I've actually got some tips from people who are working at various retail outlets saying like, look, uh, we don't have any physical Xbox games anymore. And there was the thing of Walmart selling ga physical games for like three cents because it was a clearance item. And so part of this layoffs, it looks like the Xbox physical game department was also potentially uh, cut as well. So Microsoft is getting rid of the physical games. This isn't all that surprising. The Series S being all digital was um, foreshadowing this, if you will. Again, we've all kind of seen this coming. So Tweetler very rightly says, with Xbox getting rid of physical games, it seems more likely we will get an X with no disk drive. I think this is a very astute observation that the plans to launch, I believe it was the Brooklyn this fall, which we don't know, we've been hearing mixed messages about it without a disk drive, seems to make a heck of a lot more sense if there's no physical discs that you can buy. Now, the one downside to this is like if you're still uh, holding on to your, your lovely Xbox One or One X most likely at this point, and you want to upgrade and you have physical discs, well, you're kind of out of luck. Uh, Microsoft doesn't have a pathway, although they did have a patent for it, and I think I even leaked that they have plans to allow you to take disc to digital program. I can't remember the name of the, the code name of it. I don't know if they're gonna bring that back at this point. It seems a little past due, and uh, with most retailers dumping physical games for other, you know, to free up that retail space. It seems like, I, I would say that this is very much a driver of more digital, less disc-based consoles uh, across the board going forward. Chris says, why does it feel like Windows 12 won't be announced in June? Do you know what it will be called? Okay, well, there's a great reason for that. It's because the, let's, so, let's settle on what we do know. Based on the statements from, I believe it was Intel and like Asus or Acer, Microsoft is going to do something in June, something in June. It's going to be AI related. It's going to be a whole bunch of AI features dumping into Windows. What we do not know currently is what are they going to call that? Are they going to call it Windows 11.5? Are they going to call it Windows 12? We don't, we don't know. And so Microsoft is working through, like, what is the correct strategy for this? Is this a big enough change for Windows 12? The benefits of naming it Windows 12, it's like, hey, if you want AI in Windows, go get Windows 12. That will do it. And the disadvantage of doing that is, like, you're going to get fragmented, which was used to be. Remember, we used to always say Android OS is fragmented. Well, Windows is going to end up in that way, too, because you have Windows 10, which Microsoft is backporting features to, again, once again. Then you'll have Windows 11, and then you'll have Windows 12, like, three uh, versions of Windows in service, by the way, in in cycle. It, typically what we would expect is like Windows 10 would fall off and it'd be Windows 11 for a little bit, then only Windows 12. That's what we'd historically seen. But that's not what we're going to see now because Windows 10 is going to be extended. So we don't quite know. We just know that AI features are coming. Microsoft will probably have some announcements in the spring uh, related to that. And so kind of tying into that question actually is uh, Trindle, we'll say Trindle. He says, what ARM devices do you want to see from Microsoft at the spring event that Surface is going to be holding? So here's my thing on ARM. Um, I don't really care what the device is. I'm very, very curious in two specific things. Windows on ARM, like what is going on with there? Like how, what are the updates coming? How are they doing on that? That's a big deal. Also, the performance. The performance is crucial, right? That's what we hear on the Apple side. It's like the M2, M3, these, these great performing chips. Now, I'm not expecting uh, the chips to come out from this. It's going to be like, like an M3 Pro Max or whatever they call them. Pro Max Ultra, whatever you want to call them. 
However, these ARM chips are very good, are very good with large language models and everything else. So I'm going to be very curious to see the performance. We've been, again, I, I try not to get caught up in these hype cycles because every time Snapdragon announces a chip, there's this big wave of like, this is the chip. This is the performance chip that's going to do it with the battery life and everything else. And every time it's like, ah, it's just not quite there. Now, I will argue that the performance wasn't actually what's holding this back. It was Windows on ARM, which has taken some pretty significant leaps lately. And I still, I use a Surface Pro X now because uh, Startup, we're building, uh, we're going to ship software on ARM here soon. And so I've been testing and playing with it on that. And so it does work fairly well. Like they have made some significant leaps and bounds um, through everything. So that's kind of uh, as a way to avoid answering your question, but like the chips and the performance are, are most curious. And Mr. PKI wrapping it up, two questions, end of the week. Uh, he says, we now know Windows 11 is supported on Mac, the M3 that was announced by Parallels, and I think Microsoft, or at least Parallels. But have you ever seen anyone actually using Windows on a MacBook in a public coffee shop? So no, uh, primarily because I don't go to coffee. I don't drink coffee. So I never go to a coffee shop. Now I have, now this is a loaded question. I have seen people with Macs using um, actually, we do know that this population exists and I can tell you why, because one, first off, Stardock has people who use Macs and parallels and, and on that for various reasons. Uh, but as you know, I run the, the software side, we actually get inbounds of people saying, look, I'm running parallels. I want to run start 11 V2. Why can't I do it? It's like, well, so we know that there is a population there. We don't know the size, but in a coffee shop, no, because primarily out of default, I don't go to coffee shops. And then Mr. PKI wrapping it up last question. He says, how about a tough one for the ending question of the week? We saw some big layoff numbers for Xbox this week. Can we expect there to be more upcoming layoffs in other Microsoft divisions? Hmm. So it, this one is an unknown quantity right now because you could say, yeah, sure. And then it's like one person. That's one thing. If Microsoft were smart, which makes me think in the back of my brain, no, they're not going to do that. If they were going to do it, they would have been better off just having one bad announcement, which was this week. So logically, it seems like, hey, they shouldn't have any more layoffs because like, look, you just did 1900 today. Do you really want two waves of bad press? Do you want a 1900 people complaining about 1900 jobs being laid off? And then three weeks from now, another 2000 jobs, just do it all at once. And then just get the pain over with is typically how uh, companies like to operate, especially when they can control the narrative like they're trying to do uh, with the Xbox stuff and the Activision stuff. So I don't think so. Um, but the, the hesitation here is like, Every big tech company is doing layoffs right now. They're all, despite the fact that the economy is actually doing fairly well, at least by the judgment of the stock market and pretty much the stock market alone, I'll leave, I'll let everybody else decide how they think it's doing on a local level. From a general broad perspective, right, inflation has now been brought down to a reasonable level. Uh, stock market is very high. It's near their all-time high. And so a lot of these companies keep thinking that the economy is about to tip over and we're about to enter a recession. So they're being more conservative. And this could be something like a self-fulfilling prophecy where if all of these large companies just start laying people off because they think the economy is going to go bad, well, by laying off that many people can actually cause the economy to go south because right at 1900 people lost their jobs today. And those 1900 people probably aren't going out to buy a car or a new house next week. And so if enough of that happens, then things do can and very quickly go south. So Yep. Yeah. Anyways, that wraps it up for this week, my friends. Make sure to keep it subscribed here because only BS on this podcast is me.